it's lights out, and away we go. Welcome to an American's Guide to Formula One. Now let's start the show. Let's start the show indeed. Welcome to another episode of An American's Guide to Formula One. I'm Andy Lewis, joined via the telephone again by Papa T-Sauce, a.k.a. Tim Lewis. What up, Dayette? Uh, all I got to say is wahoo on that race, baby. That was a good one, man. I, I mean, Singapore usually delivers, but that was, that was, we needed that. I needed that. Yeah. I needed a non-max victory. I needed to see Max make some big old errors. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to discuss. We have the whole Grand Prix, the whole uh, qualifying debacle and what happened to Max there. And then uh, got some the real... Brilliant, the, the brilliance of uh, Checo. God, what a yeah, race. Yeah, it was a great, probably his best race. We'll definitely get into du- dissecting that. And uh, then we got some really interesting news. You probably heard some of it over the weekend about the uh, financial situations of last year. And then, as of course, we also will have our moment with Martin. So uh, let's dive right into qualifying, Dad. What the heck happened to to that lap? And uh, why did they call Max in? Well, he was going to run out of fuel, wasn't he? Yeah, but set the stage. He was on a flyer. Oh. A flyer. Well, yeah, he was probably going to take pole. He was 2.7 seconds up on Leclerc when they asked him to come in. That would make mm-hmm. me have some S, some F words and some swear words and some bleepies have to come out too. Certainly heartburn. It was very interesting, though, that they did it two laps. That he aborted two laps. Um, yeah, but yeah, as you said, the, the team was afraid that they were going to run out of fuel or not have the required one liter of fuel left after any racing session or running session, you have to have a liter of fuel left in the car, uh, so that the FIA can take a sample of your fuel to make sure you're not putting something in it or changing the, the makeup of the fuel to give your team, a added advantage. Um, and as you may remember, the penalty for not being able to supply that one liter of fuel is disqualification from whatever event that's taking place. So in this case, it would have disqualified Max from qualifying altogether, resulting him starting. Uh, is it in the pit or on the back of the grid? I can't. Do you know? Uh, I'm, I would. I can't remember. It sucks either way. My gut would say in the pit, especially because George Russell was starting from the pit as well. Yeah. I, it would make sense would that agree. if you're disqualified, you have to start behind. You have to be in very last place would be my guess. So if someone's starting from yeah. the pit, I would imagine you have to start from the pit as well. People may be screaming into their into their speakers now, but that's what I think. Um, so, yeah, they pulled – the same thing happened to um, Sebastian Vettel. When he was on podium, what was that, Silverstone last year? I believe he got on, or Canada. Yeah, I remember something about one the, along those lines, yeah. But he got disqualified because at the end of the race, they couldn't provide that liter of fuel. So, uh, so sure as heck, eighth place, which is where Verstappen ended up starting, I do believe. 
Yeah, Max Verstappen started in eighth place. Um, and then uh, just fell back from there to to start coming back through the through the field, and boy, he was he was pissed. I mean, I would be too. And then I don't know if did you see the, his interview, his post qualifying interview? No. They're like the the guy was like, uh, or who the person whoever was uh, interviewing him, he's like, so you were on a pretty flying lap about a second ahead, and Max like gets you could see Max get like perturbed. He's like two. 2.7 seconds, actually. Get it right. <laughs> and, um, and he was visibly frustrated, and he says, you know, just really frustrated instead of, I mean, tricky conditions, obviously, because as you guys know or don't know, we did, um, the race was in the wet, both qualifying and the race started both on inters and then moved gradually into to uh, dry tires. Um, so very tricky situations to get a really good, that also explains the 2.7 second lap. Max is, has, is and has always been phenomenal in the wet. Um, I remember, do you remember the Brazil, what was that, 2019 or something like that? Yeah. 2018 maybe? It was one of his earlier seasons and he just was, I mean, he was he was driving past people like they, like they were standing still. It was really yeah, impressive. Yeah, that was phenomenal. That was, the, that was the moment that I remember going, oh my God, this guy's going to be... Like uh, that was the moment that got me that really impressed me, but he was really impressive this weekend, or at least in the qualifying up until the fuel thing. And then I really think in kind of typical max fashion, um, it really got to him when something goes wrong or isn't quite going right. Max does tend to lose focus more than you would think, but he is young still, but, um, you know what I'm saying? You, did you did you get a sense of that as well, Pops? Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of standard operating procedure for him. But I, th- I think we saw some really uncharacteristics um, both in Max's start and in the main error that he made when he locked up, you know? Right. That was a... I agree. We had two very uncharacteristic mess-ups from two very talented drivers this race, but we'll get through that. Let's start with the the man I'm of the race. Start with the race now. Yes, yes. Let's move to the race because okay. if if this wasn't Checo's best race, uh, I'd like to know what you would argue would be a better race because I think it was the drive of his career thus far. I, mean, I don't think anybody would would uh, argue that point. Uh, I mean, I think he even, and he even went out of his way to make it difficult on himself as well, but still managed to, to put in the performance that, that garnered him that, that uh, was this fourth win, his fourth, po- his fourth career win. Now you're asking me things. That's I don't fine. know. I'm pretty sure it was. So how did, so if Charles Leclerc uh, got the pole position, how did, um, Perez get him. When did Perez pass him, Pops? Well, he had him a turn one, didn't he? By a car length or two. Yeah. It was just it was just a great start. I think really when you when I went back and watched the onboards, uh Leclerc got they had the I remember it was what made me interested in it is they always do that reaction time chart as to who got off the line and it gives them the milliseconds. And they both right. had this exact same um, 
reaction time to the light, which was like 0.29 seconds, which is remarkable. But um, I think I, – so I was like, how did how did Perez get going so much better? How did he beat him? And, and I also was just watching the highlights again before we started – and it was so he had such a comfortable overtake on Leclerc that it was like it wasn't even like the announcers weren't even that excited. They were just like, "Oh, and then Perez is in front now." <laughs> yeah. It's like no Whatever. like big theatrics or but I think Leclerc even though he was on pole, he got I think he got into a little bit of standing water and lit up the rears and there was a a pretty big amount of wheel spin. It was after they they started because if you watch, like they they go off at the same time, and uh, and then Leclerc gets a boot full of uh, a wheel spin, and I and that just allows that second gear and on uh, yeah. for Perez to take. Well, the there's a, there's an interesting point. Um, Peter Windsor uh, did a post race uh, podcast, and he has an idea about Sergio that I'll we'll get into that I, I'll bring up. Uh, about his driving style, but what about a little history? Lay it on me. This, in this race, this is a this is a, a return to Singapore after a three year hiatus. Yeah, you know, so one of the more glamorous, spectacular venues on the circuit. I, I don't know like why it. it's one of my all-time favorites. I think this yeah. is the 13th year that they've that they it's been running but like I remember the Crofty and Brundle talking and it's like even though it's one of the more relatively newer additions to the track it is like an instant classic. Um yeah, it's difficult to pass on. Very. Uh, less so. I mean now, most most street circuits are difficult to pass on. That's that's yeah. kind of a given with street circuits. But that, in this case, added so much to the race. The other thing was that this was Fernando Alonso's 350th start. Correct. Making him the, the uh, Formula One driver with the most starts ever. Yeah, most racing laps and most starts. Yeah. So, little tidbit there. And the thing that surprised me is that Kevin Magnuson has the the track record. I thought that was his, I thought that was funny as well. Uh, I think this is a 350th race that Alonso would very much like to forget, though, and Alpine oh. themselves very much would like to forget as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely, but. As we get into it, we'll know more about so that. So what, what did you want to say about Perez? Now let's move back and go down through the order. Oh, Perez definitely uh, took the – I'd love to spend a little time talking about that phenomenal drive. Yeah, you know, that was a great podcast or YouTube um, by Peter Windsor. Uh, he's a he's a good guy and, and uh, really Shout I think has Windsor. a – Yeah, really has a good – Finger on the pulse of everything. Formula One. For those of you, well, Peter Windsor, oh, he was uh, oh a couple of years ago uh, was big behind uh, wanting to start up a United States team. Mm. And um, but uh, other than that, I don't know a whole lot. I just enjoy listening to him. Yeah, 
he's he's really eloquent, but he he knows the drivers well. Um, you know, long standing relationships with all the old time greats, and and uh, he's respected by uh, so many of the younger people. And awesome. but other than that, that's about all I know. I don't know if he was a driver or not. But so what did yeah, that would be say about Perez? Well, he was just talking about how um, um, on courses like Singapore and Monaco, where uh, there's these slow turns, yeah, uh, Checo has this incredible ability to know how to load up his tires coming out of a slow turn, yeah, where he can really hook up to the track and. We saw that uh, in this race. Yeah, that there was just no way that Leclerc could ever get an advantage. Yeah, and and it was also that he knows how to manage his tires probably better than anybody else. Yeah, he and, he attributes uh, having uh, Kubica as his teammate. Um, really. T- t- taught him a lot on how to how to manage tires but i i can see how that would having that feel for for the grip and the exit of a corner and when knowing when to load him up um uh is can be super valuable in those low traction situations like we saw at singapore well low traction and then just slow corner yeah situation where you don't have the advantage of your arrow um and that uh uh that windsor was pointing out that uh the first several laps of that of the restart after that last safety car um, is that how he was really on the edge where Leclerc might have been able to take him, but because Leclerc was pushing so hard, he cooked his t- rears and then had difficulty all along. But where Perez just knew that he needed several laps to get his tires in the right uh, performance temperature and uh, all of that, but just enough to hold off Leclerc. And so it, it's almost like he's a, um, like a tire whisperer. He just knows he's got that sense of where you can push without cooking your tires or brakes and things like that. And uh, it was a great, you might want to take a listen to that. I think it was a little over 20 minutes. It was, oh, it was a, a great, it was, on it was a great little, was it a podcast? No, it was on YouTube. Okay. And it's, I guess it's just look up Peter Windsor. Yeah. And, um, but it was good, but that, I thought that was an, a great explanation of how that race played out. You were just thinking that Leclerc was because there was a while where Leclerc was catching him and really troubling him after that second restart. And then it was weird because he got he got the news that he was going to that he was he was under investigation for safety car practices. And then they said you need to build a gap to Leclerc. (laughs) Saw Perez just take off, man, and put was it over seven and a half seconds between him and Leclerc by the end of the race. Six, six and a half. I think it was six and a half. Let me look here. Um, I want to say it was more than. Well, that. well, no, seven. 
Yeah. Because he ended up winning by 2.595. Yeah. And it was so, yeah, you're right. And it he was, got the five-second penalty for not staying within 10 car lengths of the safety, safety car. Safety car, yeah. Which I thought was kind of whatever. He just I mean, showed him. He, I mean, that's what made the – that even made the race more impressive. I thought you know, so, too. Checo was impressive. Because you know that Leclerc was pushing like hell trying to get within that five second. I think the uh, I think the Ferrari is was just tougher on the tires than the than the Red Bull and has been um for the last couple races. And then I think just those tricky situations, I think it was just too much. Right. I mean Leclerc uh, Perez even locked up a few times toward the end and still managed to eke it out. Um well, that not was the other, eke it that out, was... excel out. Yeah, and that was the other thing that uh, Windsor brought up was that is there any other team that has a handle on aerodynamics better than Adrian Newey at Red Bull? I don't you know? think so. It, I think this is. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, this has a this has the the makings to be his most successful car he's ever designed. I mean, granted, there are more races this season, but um, I think it's. I mean, in a long list of very excellent racing cars that that man's designed i think this is going to be at at the top for sure at least in statistics well yeah and uh it's uh but winter was just praising red bull up and down for they clearly have the best handle on aero package uh and probably a major major factor uh in the uh uh, you know why they're so fast yeah and can hook up to the track so well out of turns and such and uh, that was the other thing that uh, Windsor thought that Sergio at the at the start of the race he just has this ability to just know where the the bike points are that make him hook up to the track better than a lot of other people who are driving absolutely so I think we saw quite a few people in the wet struggle with the start, including Max Verstappen. Um, Max almost oh, yeah. had anti-stall kick in, or did have anti-stall kick in on his start, which is super uncharacteristic of Max. Usually, absolutely nails starts or races. Um, yeah, he was he was down four positions by in that first lap. So yeah, that was yeah. a really gnarly start. The other that person who really, they... I mean, ended up with a with an overall quite decent result. Um, coming in on the podium was was science, but did really struggle to Leclerc the whole weekend. Really uncharacteristic for science. Usually, uh, I think with a little bit of be- better track record in the wet than Leclerc, but just couldn't couldn't hook it up. Finished nearly ten seconds back uh, from Leclerc by the end of the race, but was I mean Leclerc and Perez were dropping science in the rest of the field by you know. Just a couple laps after the after the start, every single time yeah. they're just gone. Um, very uncharacteristic right. of science. Um, yeah, that was that was kind of interesting. There must have been something that wasn't right. I think I had met, I had heard something that they were de- debriefing with engineers because he just yeah definitely did not. I think it it may have come down to just lacking the confidence in the car and in the conditions. You really. I mean, imagine the amount of confidence you have to have just to do a street race. 
at those speeds, let yeah. alone the street race in the wet. And this is historically, I think this is only the the second wet race in 13 years that Singapore has had. And it really does create some absolutely tricky conditions. I remember them saying multiple times that there really wasn't a race tire for the conditions. It was kind of like that hungry race where, honestly, for a lot of that race, the best tire to be on was a worn inter where you kind of have trev, kind of have don't trev tread in it. You've kind of worn the, right. the inters in the slicks, but it was particularly difficult because for those of you who don't know, because of the heat and the like, the the just exhausting nature of Singapore, they have the race at night. So it's hopefully a little bit cooler, but with the rain and the fact that there's no sun and then uh, ambient humidity was what, 88%? Right. Um, it the Practice track wasn't really didn't out. dry out. They kept saying, "Oh, and, you know, another ten laps or so," and then it was you know thirty, forty laps later, and they were barely getting into those the the delta times where um, you can comfortably make a switch. And I, George sure took a roll of the dice going on to enters or going off of enters when he did, and boy, he just could not make it work. But yeah, you know, bravery award goes to him, and and then just pig-headed award goes to him for just saying no i'm not coming back in i'll just make it it'll make it work yeah uh, yeah you know that you, sometimes you win them and sometimes you lose them and that the was, other interesting i think aspect that was of, the race this was his first race that he's finished outside the top five he yeah he really finished he, way, outside. way outside the top five <laughs> uh what were you gonna but, say you know the other thing about the, the racetrack Andy, is that um, a lot of the track is covered. It's got bridges and... Um, How wild is that? That people are just commuting, you know? Dooting, yeah. Dooting, driving over the... Uh, right. Driving over a formula. Well, that must be, like, imagine just be like, you not really remember, and you're going over the bridge, and right as 19 cars are... <laughs> yeah. Right. But, consequently, there's less moisture to those portions of the track. Yeah. And so that adds to the trickiness that a, a track that wasn't covered is, is drying out very slowly. Yeah. Requiring inners for a long time. And then you go into these areas that are covered by, um, uh, the freeways and, uh, pedestrian so bridges. They, and, Cause yes, I have to think that but, some of those are low and low coverings over the track. And so as, Cars, especially when they were had the enters on and it was wetter, their spray is flying up there, then it's coming and dripping back down. I think someone was like, I think it was George or something right after he did switch to sauce. They said, is it drizzling again? They're like, no, they think it was just like residual spray and stuff dripping yeah. off. I, I don't, well, the other thing is, is that my point is, is that the, at least the commentators made, and I don't know if it's a Windsor comment or not, but that the track just didn't get as saturated on those covered portions. Yeah. And then and there so was, they, they dry out faster. Yeah. Well, and then or they're, they're, go ahead. Sorry. Or they're drier to begin with. And so you're going from a situation where you borderline need wet tires to a situation where you need your medium slips. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden back out, where you need wet tires. So uh, to your point of 
saying that the conditions were just so squirrely, it added that more that technical piece to it. And then just the physical, I don't think anybody would deny that it's the most physically demanding race of the circuit. I think, yeah, that, and I think they very similar seeming to the body and the posture of, um, when they, when they got done at Miami as well, those high humidity, uh, high heat, because I think on a, on a, just a non hot day, the inside, the cockpit temperatures of those cars is well over a hundred. Yeah. Uh, and then you're in a fire suit inside of a coverall inside of, you know, it, and there's batteries and s- servos and motors and everything. I think one other point I wanted to say that I heard on the race was that there were parts of the track that had been recently resurfaced as well, and those with water on them are just basically might as well be on ice. Um, so there was, Oh, yeah, because it percolates the, the, the oils of the petroleum base. Yeah. You know, uh, paving material, and it, that floats on there until you rub it off. Yeah. Yeah. And then it not, didn't look like it was a real smooth course either. No. There are a lot of rough spots. So. I mean, big old city that. Um, but yeah, so moving moving on down the line, science and, I mean, a great results for Ferrari. Uh, just a little too late. Um, but P2, P3, closing out the, um, the podium. And then phenomenal, phenomenal results for McLaren. Uh, with uh, Lando Norris in P4 and Daniel Ricciardo in P5. Uh, it's been a long time since I've heard those names said, A, in succession to each other, and that high up the order. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and, and it couldn't have been a better time um, in their battle with Alpine this year because we had that double DNF from Ocon and Alonso. Yes. Um, both reliability, both uh, engines um, cutting out, and one going kablamo, as Hobbs would say. Um, yeah, a blamo moment for sure. Did you see that baby when she was let loose? It was un- it was unmissable, um, or in you couldn't miss it. <laughs> there you go. It was missable, not not missable. Um, I think Nor- Norris definitely had a better weekend than Ricardo. I mean, typical. Um, obviously, that's why Ricardo is no longer going to be driving for McLaren. But Ricardo did have a good weekend with uh, safety car shuffling. Um, but Norris, Norris was really great qualifying P six, and Ricardo not even making it uh, out of Q two. Um, or not even into Q2. So right. um, definitely made up for it during the race. Had a couple of moments. Had a moment, a real nice feisty little pass on Max before Max quickly took it back going over the bridge. But, uh, yeah, great result. They, uh, with the double DNF from Alpine and the high points finishes from McLaren, um, they actually were able to jump the um jump alpine in for fourth place um yeah in the constructor standing so you know the the other little tidbit there about mclaren yes sir is that mclaren came out with this i think a lot of the guys were 
you know, like Sam Collins was talking about how it was a massive floor side pod upgrade that only Lando that North had. Mm. And they hadn't had time to put it together for Dan, Danny and Rick. Yeah. And to see Danny and Rick without that, um, that, that, that significant be, upgrade yeah. of the floor and side pod, uh, could really figuration. help in the wet too then. So that could, I mean, there is, yeah. there's a skill gap there, I think, and a level of understanding of that car gap, but definitely that could play a role in the, the, yeah, you know, and I think that that I think that makes I think that makes Danny Rick's fifth place finish even more impressive, even though he totally. But only thing would have been better is if he would have finished ahead of Lando. Yeah, that, that uh, doesn't happen. Uh, since Lando had all the upgrades and and uh, Danny Rick wasn't expected to get him until this next race, the Suzuka coming up. So another little tidbit for McLaren, but it's still awesome, and you always want to see. That's a tight race. Yeah. 125 to 129. We don't have a a super tight uh, constructors battle. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility if Ferrari keeps shitting the bed like they have been that Mercedes could jump, theoretically could jump Ferrari, but it would take a lot. So I think the closest battle we really have is um, is that Alpine-McLaren battle for fourth. And I, I, I think I would lo- I'd love to see McLaren take it in the end because – with the decision making that Alpine's been having, I I I don't I, I would I I also just I don't think they deserve it, and I also think that a lot of the points that they have are due to the driver that they let go, and I think that that's a silly silly blunder there, and uh, McLaren is is reaping the rewards for it as well. I by golly. So that's that's definitely something I'll be watching. Not not to mention, just I would love to see Science get a race win. I'd love to see, you know, yeah. The the I mean, it didn't get decided here at Singapore the both uh, championships, but it will seemingly is going to happen in at Suzuka. If not, it's an inevitability. So I'm still look. I'm still excited for the races. Um, you know, I but uh, and I'll definitely be watching that that. Uh, that battle for fourth place pretty closely. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Another person that was seemingly really out of place and had an awesome drive and really did great for you and your freaking fantasy team, their, your grid rival team, <laughs> Mr. Double Point Stroll. Where did that come from? You, oh, yeah. Well, did you, did you have an inside line on that or something? Because I wouldn't have put Stroll on my team if you paid me. Well, you know... um, during qualifying, they just were right in there, and yeah. uh, you know, I both just went with Vettel, and Sebastian. I, I had the similar feeling. I saw that that Aston Martin was doing really good, and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to make Vettel my start. I'm going to pick up Vettel and make him my star driver." And I thought, I thought I was on the jump, but you, uh, Max, Max, really put a, a damper on that toward the end. Yeah, and Stroll I was, just dropped. I was hoping. I was hoping. Seb could really hold him off, but wasn't. I was too, and I think if he wouldn't have had to battle Max, I think he could have could have gone after Stroll too, which would have been awesome. But I was like, oh man, Seb Seb is such an excellent, excellent driver at Singapore. He's tied with Hamilton for the most um, poles and most wins at Singapore. So I was like, yeah, that that might be another one. Huh? 
I was like, it's his last one. And I just, I, yeah. I, I had a good feeling about seven. He didn't let me down. He, he definitely put in his all. And, and I think an absolutely outstanding result for, for Aston Martin, who, who sadly to say has been really flying under the radar, but I think you were just alluding to it. They could have some upper mobility. Um, right. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting with five races left. Good. Aston Martin make a run. They, I think and, they very uh, much could very I could spe- very much see them jumping Alfa Romeo because as Alfa Romeo's been going nowhere quick, um, and having really struggling with um, reliability. I think nearly fifty of their of their or like it was like forty of their fifty two points were scored in the first half of the season. Yeah, I was I was kind of stoked about Alpha. Boy, but they've really kind of been. Well, yeah, I think they they started underweight for a lot of. They started already at yeah, the weight uh, cap. And yeah, I think, I think you're right. Their their development and production has stalled. I don't think the car's gotten worse, although they've had they've been plagued with terrible reliability. Um, well, and then and then. And then, then Latifi, yeah, I think Latifi really screwed up Joe's race. Oh, huge! Uh, Joe has been on an absolute tear. He's he's out qualified Botas the last three races. Yeah, so and I think that's unfortunate. Him. And you know, uh, would Valtteri finish what eleventh? You know, I could see. I was half expecting Joe to uh, finish in the points. Oh, I think and, I uh, think he would have. But uh, that he got pinched out. Early and, and and I'm pretty sure Latifi get has a five grid po- grid spot penalty for that uh, in uh, Suzuka. Okay, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But but yeah, I think uh, you know Aston Martin does not has not gotten the credit that they are due. I think they they very easily could jump, um, could could jump Alfa Romeo in the in the constructors, and at this race they did jump Haas. Which was another team that started with an immense amount of possibility and has gone uh, straight backwards ever since. Um, but th- yeah, for a car that they put everything into, remember the talk was, oh, they're kind of giving up on two, 2021. Yeah. And they're really working on the t- 2022 car. Boy, they sure, it's not paying off, is it? And they really should be. And I mean, absolutely should be ahead of Alfa Romero as of right now. It was. Uh, I think one of the reasons why Mick's seat isn't confirmed for next year um, is he missed out on so many opportunities to score points in that first season when they were really hot. And then uh, Magnuson has just made too many really risky and and silly errors that have cost him points throughout the whole season. Um, yeah. And they, they 100% should be up there in uh, sixth place above Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin. But, you know, Aston's just been plugging along and plugging along. And they did have that really neat um, rear wing kind of end plate hack um, that I think has been really cool. It, it shows that there is there is potential in that team. Um, and maybe maybe the wiry old fox Alonzo might have something up his sleeve if if the trends continue and the Alpine just keeps to keeps to blundering and Aston keeps quietly flying up the up the order there. Right. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing that's exciting about watching Aston Martin close is that 
why would Alonzo do that? You know, I and mean, money. Uh, money. Well, and and keeping a seat. I mean, I think yeah, Alonzo's never been afraid to to maybe make the wrong decision out of out of making a point. I mean, he's always that yeah. guy who's like, I'm gonna make the point. And I think he, I mean, you really think he thinks highly of himself. And I mean, he, well, we'll and, he can, and he can cash checks too. That's the other thing. Yeah. Um, he's out, he's out driving Ocon handsomely. And, uh, Definitely, I yeah. think he really thought he deserved, I mean, he did deserve a more than a one year contract. I really think he did. I just think Alpine absolutely screwed the pooch by losing Piastri and Alonzo. They could have, you know, they could have one of the best lineups, best things running and they're just screwing it. And giving it straight to their competitors. So, um, and yeah. I think especially after a 350 race DNF, when your teammate DNF'd as well, like it's start and that big paycheck and multi-year deal at Aston, he's really not thinking twice about it at, at the moment. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But apparently, it, it 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 was quite the quite the significant pay increase as well. <laughs> because let's not let's not make a joke. Alonso's not going to be here. Four more years, he just won't be. So, yeah, that would be uh, that would be uh, that, that that's pushing it. But he seems to be not lacking for skill. Definitely not. So, Outdriving many his, many people. Uh, and if he keeps going, I mean, he's going to really push that race start. Uh, those numbers are way high. Yeah, two uh, more years. Kind of like in that in that realm of oh, this, this is a record that is not likely to be broken, kind of thing. I really don't see who would. I mean, you kind of need to be in that zone of successful enough, i.e., at least a world champion, and and but not accomplished enough to feel okay leaving, you know? So I wouldn't expect the only way I, I see like Lewis sticking around that long is if he keeps missing that eighth world title. Like, I feel like that's the only, like breaking the record. But if he gets that eighth world title, out, I really don't see him. He won't, I don't think he'll stick around nearly that long. So then, uh, you know, maybe, yeah, I, maybe a Ricardo if he, but he can't even find a drive for next year. Um, so yeah, know, I don't got, think that's gonna work. You got Ricardo potentially. You could I could see maybe a future like Science or Norris. You know somebody who is so good but can never quite quite get on the right team or get in the right shape or always, you know Perez maybe. But who knows? I don't I don't see anybody going that long. Well, we'll just revel in 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 the fact that. Uh, a real character from Formula One is is doing that, and for having that longevity, it's really cool. It, was that was that Rubens Barrichello's record he broke? No, uh, Reckoning. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, Still, that's all. Awesome. Maybe, maybe our next place driver, Max Verstappen, could be potentially one of those people too when he's going for his tenth or eleventh world title. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it, it. Yeah, you're thinking I mean, that he's, he's only twenty. If Lewis gets, like gets the eighth, you're thinking, geez, that's going to be a tough one to break. But then you think how young Verstappen is, and you know his drive. I did, for I did see a, a thing with when speaking of Alonzo and Max, where Alonzo was talking about how 
how it's amazing and and record setting at the pace he's winning and he's like yeah i once had those similar records as well <laughs> <laughs> so it could maybe very well max very well could be the next alonso who knows uh that, but that's why you that's why you play out the season year after year absolutely i think this was an absolutely uncharacteristic race of max verstappen from the start, I think that, well, I was listening to the race this morning and uh, they had Mika Hakkinen on and he brought up a really excellent point that he said, because uh, uh, one of the guys from the race was talking to him and he was saying, um, you know, is it is it nice for Max to have a world title that he knows he's got in the bag and can kind of coast into or is it better, you know, and, and Mick is like, no, I think it's it, – it's better to be fighting it down to the wire because you never lose the focus. And he says, when you know you have a points advantage, it's so easy to take a step back and to, to turn down the engine or to coast a little bit. And he said it was happening to him once, and the team said, no, you don't know what's going to happen. You could get a puncture. You could get uh, any number of things. You could get a penalty like Perez got. And he says, you got to keep the focus. It gets really easy to lift that focus. And I think then the errors slip in and the, um, and the mistakes well, happen. Consider and, this. And I think we really How, saw that with Max this race. Right. But, you know, Max has been pretty darn lucky uh, where his competitors around him have had uh, reliability issues and, and such. You know, he could he could go on a string where he goes blammo in a couple of races, and uh, God, I keep thinking about I, that. You know, it could like, it could, could get imagine, a lot closer. Could you imagine if it's like this? You know, like oh, it's a shoe in, it's a shoe in, and he just keeps having things like this happen. And they, like this was the best. What if th- what if like, Singapore is the best result Max has the rest of the year? I yeah. really hope not. Like I, 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 I mean, as much as I don't love the guy, he does deserve a race season. And he up and up until this race, and excluding this race, and his obvious DNS and earlier on. I mean, he's he could he. I don't know. I'd kind of like to see him break the the race win record and and have a race that's not got an asterisk next to it. Because as we'll come on to, um, with our new section of the podcast that. There could be more, more asterisks piled up next to that race, that first world title, um, than than even thought. So yeah, maybe we ought to move on to that. Well, I kind of wanted to. Well, we we could, well, yeah. Let's just zip through. Let's let's just zip through because I did want to talk about Hamilton as well. Um, right. But I mean that lockup from Max and just you could just hear it in his voice and leaving from qualifying. I think he was he was frustrated from the second he got in the car on Sunday and conditions weren't, you know, it was already going to be a hard race. Um, it was, you know, he was, then it rained, then it was, you know, his lockup. I mean, he was just, he, I think Max was, was pretty lucky to finish in the points, honestly. And like his skill and his determination is the only reason he finished in the points because most other drivers who have a performance like and a, and a show up to a race weekend like that um, or a race day like that yeah. aren't, aren't finishing in seventh. Um, 
Yeah, you're alluding to that um, that move he he tried to make. At that, that point, old, they weren't yeah. they weren't counting. Yeah, they weren't counting uh, laps, but they were just counting time down because yeah. it was clearly going to be a time grade. Um, and that's one thing we may mention that. Yeah, you want to explain that to the rate. What is it? The race is only allowed to go on for two hours. The entire and, event must take place within three hours, and racing can be no more than two hours of that time. Two hours. And that segues back into the fact that the race was delayed an hour and a half just because it was. Which is also, I mean, and there's been dry races at Singapore that come down to a two hour time limit. It is just a long grueling i think grueling race, really yeah. really tough race both like but it's it's so cool because you know it's not like one of those punishing racetracks even though it is every driver wants to come back nobody doesn't want to come to singapore even though it's hot even though it's crazy even though i mean it has a 100 percent safety car record again i'll repeat that a 100 percent safety car record there were what? Yeah. There were two full safety cars and three or two or three virtual safety cars this race. I thought it was funny. Oh, I yeah. think Crafty at one point said, uh, wouldn't it be funny if, if we have a wet race and no safety car <laughs> at Singapore? <laughs> but that definitely didn't happen. Uh, no way. But uh, yeah, it was also really cool to see Max and Hamilton uh, tussling again. It was too bad that also, like Max, Lewis had a big blunder. So similar to that that one at Imola last year. Just straight into the barrier, breaking the front nose. And then um, definitely had that damage, and he got him and Magnuson both had uh, the black and yellow or whatever, the sausage flag, I think is what people call it. Um to have to come in and change the wing, but that was, a Oh, huge... uh, the orange and black. Yeah. Orange and black. Yeah. Um, but that was another, it was so crazy to see and it shows you the talent the, or the, the challenge that Singapore offers to see drivers of the caliber of, of Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen making unforced errors, um, of that, right. of that there was, magnitude. Yeah. Actually, uh, uh, in that Peter Windsor YouTube, he mentioned that, that it seemed to be just a total lapse of concentration on Lewis's part in that, I mean, I don't know how these guys figure this stuff out, but he said that Lewis started his braking 15 meters past his usual braking break point. And the fact, but that was the lack of concentration, but his skill level caused him to get his car to where it wouldn't glance yeah, the barrier that he would go straight on in because if he would have glanced it, he probably would have lost a chunk of the wing, would have gone out of the car. He couldn't have got back to the pit. Yeah, wouldn't have a chance of you know getting repair. And so, or that, or that has happened in other times, several times this year alone, where the wing gets stuck under those the tech pro barriers. And, yeah, and it completely ruins your whole race. I think of Checo back at Montreal. And I think even Sonoda, I mean, his he broke his wheels and his trailing arms and stuff too when, on his crash. Um, but it does show you the difference where, yes, I'm going to miss my breaking point and I'm going to have an incident. But you look at Sonoda's 80-mile-an-hour incident and it's a race ender. 
and you see Lewis Hamilton's similar situation, different turns, yes, but similar situation, and he's able to get going and actually come out fighting in a position, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah. That, that, that was that one. There was a... Didn't Albon go into the barrier? He lost his wing because it got jammed underneath the, the barriers and he made it back to the pit. Yep. And then it's just... And so... Yeah. But, I mean, it's just... That stuff is it's just crazy the things that can go on and the luck and just by millimeters you make a difference in being able to stay in the race or where you're out and yeah crazy well let's crazy. let's round this up and then get on to news because we have so many positions left to go here at P10 at Pierre Gasly not it's Valtoi it's Bowie Magnuson Schumacher Russell and then six cars didn't make it to the end <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember a race where that there was that many DNFs I other think than those. It, other than like you know what was it Hungary last year when when Botas and Stroll took out half the field almost. It's it's usually well, yeah, it's usually like those ones. Um, I think it was I think it was that that Suzuka also that Bianchi died at, which was sad. But I think that was another race because it was so wet that a bunch of cars didn't finish that as well. Yeah, um, well, that's usually those are those are uh, memorable because it's such a big kind of like one of those NASCAR restarts at the end of the race where fourteen cars are in a wreck or something. But these yeah. are just little bits and pieces that were knocked off throughout the whole race, and it ends up being sick. And then and then Kablamos. I mean, we had let's see, Joe got taken out by Latifi, and that was him and yeah. Latifi done. Fernando Alonso, engine failure. Alex Albon crashed. Uh, Sonoda crashed. And Esteban Ocon's engine went kablamo, which is a perfect segue into our moment with Martin. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was him and Crofty reacting to that. Here's your moment with Martin and AKA Crofty as well. Ooh. Yeah. I won't even make a coffee table, will it? That sounds like a bag of nails, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, how good was the eye? You could hear the engine hitting the hitting the cylinders right then. Ooh. How much you want to bet that Martin Brendel has a coffee table that's made it has a glass top and it's sitting on top of an engine? Box. I was gonna say that will make <laughs> a coffee table. It'll make a, it can make a coffee table in my house. Uh, well, <laughs> my wife would not allow that at all. Abstract but, art, I guess. But, but I would love to have uh, an. Uh, Piece of an F one, a Formula One engine coffee table. Yeah, um, yeah. We we may have to become roommates. Yeah, because our wives would <laughs> our wives wouldn't tolerate that. So that would. But, but at least we'd have our Formula One engine block uh, coffee table. I I wouldn't I wouldn't even care that it's an Alpine one either. It sounded like a hundred bottles of wine were broken at once. I think <laughs> that thing on, went on another on another replay. Uh, Crofty said a bag of spanners, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. Yeah, it was really funny. He's like, that's a proper bag of spanners, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, okay. okay, so let's let's get into this this rumors. 
Um, and I was actually kind of hoping one of the reasons that we kind of were pulling this, putting this, uh, recording this podcast off till today was we were supposed to have, um, the FIA was supposed to release the certificates of the, who complied with the budget cap regulations for the 2021 season. So last year's, I mean, that shows you how efficient of the system that they have in place here is that it is um, October of the following year, and we're still <laughs> not still not got those certificates from last year's season um, finalized. But for those of you who don't know, I'm going to give you a little back history into and set the scene for this and why this is so important. But Formula One has a bat had had definitely under under bernie you know rampant overspending really bernie ecclestone yeah it's bernie ecclestone thank yeah. you who was the fia president before bin salam and um it was this you know playboy the very old school billionaire club f1 this this is sport for wealthy people and and subsequently really you know you know brought viewerships really down and under the new liberty ownership and and stuff um it's it's skyrocketed i mean look at this pot that's why this podcast exists and it's there's been for for years and years they've wanted to institute cost caps and they just thought it was too too challenging of of a way to to form the regulations so for those of you who don't know there's there's uh, the racing regulations, and then there's um, you know the sporting regulations and the car ra- the constructors, and then they are instituting this um, cost regulations to to try and bring the field together to rein in the overspending from these huge top companies, Mercedes, Ferrari, uh, Red Bull, and then the people who are never even going going to come close to this cost cap, but to try and bring the field together. And as you've seen with, you know, last year and this year, it really has worked. And it's really to save the sport because not, you know, as the times change and climate change really, really starts to rear its ugly head, it I, I want to see Formula One stay. I want to see the sport grow. I want to meet new fans and I want to have racing well into the future. And I think that you, we have to rein in the waste and the excess and the expenditures and the carbon footprint of the sport if we want to see it succeed. And what's at stake here is the very nature of the sport. So that's why this is important, is that we have to find a way to preserve the sport and its future. Um, and one of the best, and some simultaneously create better racing. Because a, a tighter field is always going to be better for us as viewers and fans of the sport, and so they introduced these cost caps. And there's a, there was any number of penalties for breaking the cost caps, from a official reprimand from the FIA all the way up to loss of points and ultimately disclusion from a championship. And they were hoping that the ambiguity of not knowing what could happen to you if you break these cost caps? It would be enough of a of a deterrent for anyone to break the cost caps. 
But as rumors started to fly, it became pretty public knowledge that there's potentially very likely two teams last year, the 2021 season, that handed in and turned over their financial records to the FIA and I think an independent agency even to scrutinize. And they were found that two teams exceeded the 2021 budget, which I think was $140 million or something like that. 145. 145. And it goes down by what, 5 million euros or whatever each year? Uh, that was the plan, but uh, I saw they made some kind of I think there's an inflation adjustment, adjustment for this year. They made some kind of adjustment for this year yeah. because of some global inflation yeah. constant in their equation or whatever. So it's 141.8 million dollars yeah. for this year. So that the, there was two teams that were found to be over to, one to team, lend some perspective to lend some yeah. perspective to this. It was not uncommon for uh, a higher level team, yeah, to have a budget of two hundred and fifty million dollars. Oh, I think I think they were saying most of most of the years Mercedes was dominating, they were spending over three hundred million. So for some of these top teams, we're looking at a 50% budget cut. Yeah. And I mean, so I think Toyota, one of, the years, one of the years Toyota was going for the world title, and they didn't even win it. They spent $400 million. Yeah, they were they were dedicated $250 million de- just to engine development. Yeah. So I remember that was like seven years ago or something yeah. when they were in it. So we there's no yeah. doubt that we needed to to rein in some of the spending because you have teams like that that can put up that kind of money and then you have like a Haas or Marussia or, you know, some of these teams that have come and gone that they don't even have a $100 million. Right. So, and of course, when somebody has three or $400 million and somebody has 80, their cars are going to be vastly different. <laughs> their, their teams and organizations are going to be vastly different. And I think you're also seeing some of the some of those results of this spending cap and the budgets with the development that we're seeing in the stuff like Daniel Ricardo's car not having the upgrades and Norris is having it. You know, we saw that with Magnussen and Schumacher when Haas's upgrades came. There, there's not it, they can't just have these parts on hand. They have to race with what they have. And I really like it. I I, I want to see the scrappiness come back to the to some of those teams, and I want to see the engine ingenuity and invention happen instead of just throwing you know a hundred million dollars on making or ten million dollars on making every bolt unobtainium from nasa you know like learn how to design something different so you don't need to just well that was the thing you know throw money on it you know that on is the tech tuesdays with sam collins and some other yeah engineering nerd guy they were talking about the upgrades that were brought to uh, Singapore with McLaren. Yeah, they were having to resort to redoing, recutting, and rebuilding the existing side pods, as opposed to just scrapping that in the molds and starting from scratch. Which is what we want to see. And I also think, I well, yeah, you remember, know, like you said, you it's know. the ingenuity. How do you, how do you, how do you actually think it through and? Um, you know, just don't throw money at a yeah, at a, I mean, Brundle was talking you, about that they used to have a new engine for every day that they ran. Oh, yeah. You know, and now we're yeah. down to having four, and that's a penalty, for the whole season. 
Yeah. So I think it's we're coming a long way, and these are the things, again, this is vital. So what was found was that two teams had are rumored to have broken the cost cap. One by a, a marginal amount that could be, you know, explained by a comma misplacement or some sort of calculating error. And then one team speculative to have broken it by several million pounds, upwards of seven million pounds. So we're, that's a significant amount of money. Granted, in the scheme of 140, I mean, whatever. But it's still, you know, the salaries of 70 people or, you know, a part or an aero upgrade much before or after, you know, you know, at a much more crucial time than your teammate. And the teams that are rumored is Aston Martin is the, the team that had, had gone over by a small amount. And then Red Bull is the team that is rumored to have gone way over. <laughs> and it just so happens that they won the cons- the driver's championship last year and they started right at the front for the new regulations and uh, this year and have gone on to dominate this year. And I mean the very regulations, the very cost cap regulations hinge on what the FIA decides to do about this infringement too lenient not enough teeth then everybody's gonna break the 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 regulations because the consequences don't matter and it's you can if you're if what's the you know a, a fine or a reprimand or uh you know oh max or is not going to be able to take place in free practice for the rest of the year you know that's not going to be enough to deter people from the potential of winning the constructor's title or the driver's title So what's on the table is they could literally strip Max of his world title and hand it back to Lewis, or which I really, really don't think that that could happen, but it is on the, on the table. Um, the other thing that they could do, um, is, and I think this could be the way to go because you're not going to affect the outcome of the most you know most scrutinized and 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 you know debacle that was you know uh Abu Dhabi last year and and Max and Lewis and that whole thing we don't I don't need to bring that back up cuz the wound's still just barely healing but what they could do is say okay so you went over by 7 million dollars last year now next year 2023 you have to you have a seven million dollar reduction in your budget for that year and that is a you know two percent or whatever of the total budget so you have two percent reduction in your wind tunnel testing over everybody which if they win the title they already are on the back foot in wind tunnel testing time again there's 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 a there's a a little thing i heard that the cost cap violation they have what they call a minor breach, and then there's a major breach yeah. of the of this rule. Yeah, and that that a cost cap violation that is up to five percent breach, and that's where that seven million bucks came in. Yeah, so it, at a at a minimum, they breached the the cap by seven million. Yeah, that is consider that's considered a minor breach. Mm. And 
there was a, a list of things that could include one or all yeah. uh, of things like a public reprimand uh, deduction of 2021 points. Yeah, I said that. You know, points to the driver and the constructor. Um, and they said suspension from one or more stages of competition, not a race. Yeah. That's what I was so alluding could, to where they could say, yeah. okay, Max can't compete in free practice for the rest of the season. Right. But who's going to want to do They're not going to want to do that. Or, or, or can't, or can't uh, participate in qualifying. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be for cool. a race. Uh, and then it also could limit future wind tunnel testing and it may further cap uh, like for 2023, the cost cap is at 135 million. They could limit that to 130 million. That's what I was saying. What? So, so what do you think the FI? If again, this is all rumors. I, I mean, but like the like Scott Ma- Mitchell Mile said on the race, he said, "If I know it, and if I've heard this rumor, then it's everybody knows it, <laughs> and it's pretty." But but you know. It's pretty out there and pretty public. I think that's what, like, Toto had said. But at the same time, Horner's adamantly saying that they did come in in the budget and that he's threatening to take action against Mercedes and Ferrari for, for uh, I think he said deflaming, but he meant defaming. Um, yeah, deflaming. <laughs> um, uh, them in the media, but... I, I mean, what if if Red Bull is found to be to if the rumors are true, um, and they and Red Bull has found to have broken the cost cap? What do you think their penalty should be? What would you like to see? Uh, what would you think would be fair? Well. Well, they deduction from two thousand and twenty-one points where they gained an advantage. You think you you want to see Max's world title stripped? Well, how many points? I think what might happen is is they'll they'll uh, they could deduct everything but a half a point from the overall total, saying, "Well, we really we did deduct their points, but it didn't make a difference." See, but then what's the point? Is that even a penalty? Right. This season is almost. I don't want to see 2021 brought back into the light. I think that was a blight on the on the on the 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 championship and the sport. And I think it's over, and we finally moved past it. Let's move past it. If you want to, maybe you could to 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 set the precedent that points would be lost for a violation like that. Fine, take them out of the constructor. Because it's the constructors that 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 cheated, not Max. Unless Max knew about it, which I doubt he did. It's the constructor anyway, yeah. not the driver. Right. So don't penalize the driver. And um, I think the fairest thing to do would be to to penalize them futurely. And I would like to, you know, at least the amount you went over by, if not more, you're, is taken out of your the, the subsequent next racing budget. So not the one that we're active. And hopefully they can get faster at this. They should have this done before 
the next season starts because that's the other thing is like it, it doesn't it doesn't do any good to penalize them now for for something that's already done and for this season right. which is already almost over right um but so, certainly moving into 2023 yeah i mean but they i think they have to lose wind tunnel time and they have to lose budget that crippled them. well that would totally i mean cuz it has aerodynamic is a, is a big deal to to red bull uh, chassis development and aerodynamics yeah. i mean that could be the the the, the thing i that, think that i think that being suspended from um you know practice time at races um and then uh why i well, here's why i don't think they'll do that is that max is too much of a star and i don't think the fia and formula one want to limit the potential if you know ticket sales or attendance if they know that one of their biggest stars isn't going to drive people may not want to come or buy you know well yeah but how many people come to practice anyway i think a lot but, i think you know it's like that's how much the sport is growing is that you know, we're, it seems like every well, those are, those we are go the affordable to, they're breaking can, the record yeah. for the weekend. Yeah, that's when that's when uh, blokes like you and me can afford to go and spend some right. time at an F1 track. Right. You know, so, but, you know, you're right. Um, but Plus, I what, yeah, I we're, we're on the assumption that it's less than 5%. What if they're approaching 10% breach of the cap? Oh, man. I feel like I mean, if like, you exceed that much, you got to be disqualified. Huh? I think if you exceed if you exceed the budget by that much, that's that's beyond like even, you know. I mean that is clever interpretation is, of the of the regulations. To we we cheated, and if you're yeah. full on cheating, then you're full on disqualified. I think right. both constructors and drivers' championship full on disqualification. So apparently, apparently, the October tenth after the Monday Japanese. Uh, Japanese Grand Prix. They're supposed to come out with the certificate. Yeah, but they've already shirked two of their deadlines. That's the thing when you have well, when you have an industry policing itself, they can the deadlines can keep moving. <laughs> well, and I think that I mean, if you want to limit the penalty on the back end, then you better get your front end ducks in a row and yeah. make this thing efficient. The other, to make it look like you even care. Yeah. The and other so, thing that is really interesting is that the regulations explicitly say that this must be disclosed. So it's not like that they can just, oh, yeah, we've dealt with this internally. Like, it has to be made public, and it, it's got to be out there. So we will, I mean, even though the deadline keeps getting pushed, we will at some point know who did it and what the penalty is, and I think it's got to fit the crime, and it's got to have teeth, because the history, I mean, yeah. these regulations are at stake, and the, and and like I'd explained, you know, without these regulations, you know, the future of the sport is uh, is shaky. Yeah, because, I mean, if you, you say, okay, well, it was a 5% breach, they went, you know, over $6.47 million on the, on the cap, and okay, we'll give them a slap on the wrist, and that is precedent for every team that can afford it to just kind of push it up to five percent every year. You're not, nothing's yeah. going to happen. I think. Well, what you know, so you got to got to be there's got to be a stinging to it, some degree. What if? So, what but if not we only also can't they... speculate. 
We can't speculate because we don't know. Is it a 5% cap violation? 10, 15, who knows? All right. I'm I gonna, mean, I'm gonna... when you're talking, go ahead. What? Go ahead. When we're talking about teams that are willing to and capable of spending, you know, $400 million on an annual budget, um, you know, this is nothing to them. Yeah. So you've got to make it something. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna ask you the hard question one more time because I haven't gotten the straight answer out of it from you. What do you think what? they should do? What do you think the FIA if they found to have overspent, what do you think the penalty for Red Bull should be if it is if it is over? Like like you said, I don't think we want to drag up two thousand twenty one. Yeah. Although that was the time frame in which it made a difference if it was going to make a difference. I'm thinking suspension from maybe no practice sessions in half of the uh, upcoming uh, year's race or uh, no more practice sessions the rest of the season here. Uh, I mean, that. I think that would be a stinging uh, penalty. Uh, I guess it would have to, to really make it come to fruition. Half of your races in 2023, you're not going to be allowed to run. Um, I'm thinking all practice sessions. Wow, but then that's... that kind of, that, that might. I wonder if you could safety. make an argument though, that that's a, that would be a safety issue. Right. That's what I was just about to bring up is that that could bring in safety into it. So maybe, Instead of having full practice time, you only get half. I could see that. Free practice one, free practice two, free practice three. You just get half the time. That's it. I, and I, maybe half, in favor, half the races, um, and then cap your uh, limit, further limit uh, wind tunnel testing. And, um, or maybe in the pocketbook, maybe just. Instead of for 2023, you guys are going to have to do it on 125 million. I think, see, I, I'm, I think that's my official stance. I think it's a million dollars or, or one point off of the constructor's point tally for every million dollars they're over. So that would mean Red Bull would, because I think it would be nice to set the precedent of taking points out for big chunks over. And Red Bull lost the constructor title in Mercedes last year, anyways. So it's not gonna it's not gonna change the title in any way, but it does set the precedent that this is super serious, and you could lose your position in the future. I don't like taking any points away from Max, like I said, because I don't want to have to deal with that again. And then I think a reduction in your future budget of the equivalent amount that you overspent—that's just how life works. You spend the money, you don't have it later on. So we take that out of your budget for 2023. Yeah. And then I also think that a reduction in wind tunnel time. I think if you did that and you really made an example of Red Bull, that I think people would really, you know, take it a lot more serious and that that would really back up. Yeah. But it does have to hurt. It's got to hurt him. Right. I, li- I like the idea of uh, taking away the constructors' points per million overage. Yeah. Um, maybe 
uh, reduced the cap budget yeah. by double Ooh. the violation money. Yeah. And then so you should have if to it give turned out to be seven to million, you have, you have to take away what? Then and the amount of money that is given away equally gets distributed to the competitors who did make the budget. So you Good basically point. you basically have to lose money. I think we're just we're, our, our our hatred for Red Bull is really starting to come out. No, and we need no. to cut the short. <laughs> no, I think I think it's our hatred for cheating. Yeah, I mean it is. They cheated. Because you didn't follow the rules, you cheated. I mean, if you, I, I mean, how in the hell do you go over budget if if a if a company or or a family budget went over by a million dollars? Yeah, or five percent of their annual uh, budget costs, they exceeded yeah. by five percent. What the hell is going to happen the next year yeah, for that? Audited. <laughs> yeah, it's a bitch, and so. Got to make it a real bitchy thing, I guess. I think so. We're going to find out, probably. Well, fingers crossed <laughs> that when we get come back after uh, Suzuka. Oh, man, that's another big news that we got to talk on briefly is that Red Bull. It's, it is Red Bull-related news is that Honda is – there's gonna they're going to be running a Honda sticker on both the AlphaTauri and the Red Bull cars at Suzuka. Really? Yeah, and I guess that the Honda is un excuse me, has another new CEO and is looking there was Red Bull had set up some pretty high level meetings in Tokyo ahead of the Suzuka Grand Prix with Honda execs. Um because boy, it really was short sighted of that company to leave just as um their partnership wins the world title and is on on and they could win, clinch the second one in a row at at the Suzuka Grand Prix this weekend. So there is, they are looking maybe to have Honda join back up with Red Bull. Or I know Honda has expressed interest in 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 getting into the sport, getting back into Formula One. Um, and that when they left, it was because they really needed to move some money around or something for or make an make an appearance as though that they're more environmentally minded or budgetarily, but the CEO who made that decision is no longer with the company. And the new one is much more in favor of, um, what's happening in formula one. So, uh, yeah, I think very, very good pickup there. Yeah. That's a, that'll be an interesting tidbit. So, uh, and I guess this, they're like Honda is also the title sponsor for the Suzuka grand prix itself. And that's uh, just a, they were supposed to be for 2020. Um, and then obviously 2020 and 2021 Suzuka Grand Prix didn't happen due to COVID restrictions. So I think uh, it's set to be a, a really interesting, really awesome race. I'm super excited to see these ground effect cars go around R32 or R30, R33, 30, that pretty much. Yeah, R2. R R R two three D or whatever yeah. the hell the name is there. Um, <laughs> some really really fast, really cool. One of my all time favorite um, circuits. I'm super happy to be back. Um, but you know the thing is, there's nothing like a Japanese Formula One hat. Oh my gosh! We'll we'll I'll have to <laughs> have to find some cool. Uh, 
hopefully get some images to post on Instagram. Um, you thought a cheese head at Green Bay was something. Yeah. Wait, you, you see, see nothing, some of these yeah. hats the Japanese wear. It's uh, crazy. Japanese fans are just super cool. It's a super cool track. Gonna be a <laughs> gonna be a late night race for us here in the States, but uh, we'll be back to give you our reaction to that race and hopefully an update on the whole um, uh, budget certificates hopefully will be they should be set to release monday uh if they don't get pushed out again but yeah thanks for your time dad and thanks for listening everybody at home or on your car yeah. or your commune or wherever you're listening to us we really appreciate it um if you would be so kind as to, to subscribe uh like us review us man reviews are it's so cool to hear what you guys have to say we just love reading those and it really really does help um boost the podcast and get it into the ears of more people but i'm just so stoked to to have all the listeners that we do have you guys make are the reason we keep doing this and it's just a heck of a lot of fun to talk formula one with you guys so um find a way to reach out and let us know how you think or what you'd like to hear more of too or we're definitely open to that, but um, thanks again, and we'll we'll see you after Suzuka. Yeah, have a, have a great race watch, everybody out there. It sounds like it's going to be a good one. I can't wait. We'll we'll. Me neither. All right, love you, Dad. Later, guys. Love you, kids. Bye. Bye.